Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another installment of the World Football Index podcast. I'll be your host, Armando Angulo, and today's show is one that I'm very excited about. We'll be discussing young Mexican under-23 talent, and if you're a regular listener, you know how I feel about my beloved Tricolor. Uh, But what has me even more excited is our guest today. I'm a big fan of his work for ESPN and his coverage for the Mexican Soccer Show, a man with a ton of insight on La Liga, La Selección, and everything Mexican football, Mr. Tom Marshall. Tom, how are you, man? Thank you very much for taking the time out during your busy schedule right now to uh, to talk to me no no problem Amando. Uh, yeah i'm blushing over here with that introduction good job it's not a video podcast <laughs> <laughs> no man it's well deserved absolutely uh but yeah tom why don't you give the people a little introduction about yourself you don't sound like a native mexican and tom marshall isn't a native name so why don't you give people a little background and how you ended up in guadalajara covering mexican football yeah no yeah i'm from uh, manchester in uh, in england and i've been here it's coming on to eight years now i was just uh well I think I'm. In, this is my eighth year here, so yeah, came down, uh, started working for a newspaper, and uh, also started writing about football. Um, you know, the local scene here in Guadalajara with Chivas and Atlas, and uh, you know, basically people picked up on it and kind of offered me to offered to pay me <laughs> to uh, to write about Mexican football in English, which um, you know was a surprise at the time, but you know, I think that um, obviously after a few years doing it now, it's there seems to be a lot of interest in Mexican football, obviously in the United States with, um, you know, people who prefer the coverage in English, but, you know, around the world as well, especially we've just seen Chicharito score a hat-trick and, you know, everything just, (laughs) the social networks go crazy. I mean, um, you know, Mexico's a a big footballing nation. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at and I'm, I'm here trying to cover it. Absolutely, man. And the, yeah, the thirst for coverage in Spanish and English and everything right now for uh, Mexican soccer is, is is pretty, you know, ridiculous. But yeah, Tom, before we jump into your top 10, uh, maybe I could get your thoughts on the final between Tigres and Puma, since, you know, we are recording this sandwich between the two legs. Uh, in the first leg, we saw Tigres dominate, you know, a lifeless Pumas. Pumas didn't really have a ton of the ball. But what are your thoughts? You know, do you think it's done and dusted or is there still hope for, 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 for Pumas? I just I can't see Tigres giving away three goals. I mean, they, they've gone, I think, four games now without conceding one. So I just can't see that changing in the final. Um, you know, obviously very difficult. I think I think going into that, that, that first leg of the final, it was like, um, 
you know, Pumas was went in having conceded three against America. Confidence a bit low. You know, Javier Cortez, you know, broke Javier Gomez's leg, which I think, you know, I'm not saying it was intentional, but it's not good. And then Dario Veron gets accused of, of being racist. And I just think mentally, Pumas going into that first game, Pumas were they weren't at where they where they needed to be. And I think we saw that in in the kind of lack of concentration in Tigres' goals. Uh, I mean, Tigres at the best of times is a very difficult opposition. I mean, I think for me, it's the best team in the Liga MX and the best squad. So it's always going to be difficult going to Stadio Universitario and getting a result. If you are going to get a result, you've got to be concentrated. You've got to defend very, very well. And I think Pumas didn't do that. I mean, I think it was that simple. And and if you don't, then Tigres have got the ability to absolutely rip you apart. And, you know, I thought 3-0 was a fair result. I thought Tigres were far superior and going into the second leg, I think Hugo Sanchez has been on Twitter <laughs> saying, come on Pumas, we can do this, but I see very little hope. I just think, uh, you know, I think Tigres are going to win the league and, and it's going to be, uh, I think it'll be really well deserved. I think they've, they've done well with their investment and by spending a lot of money on big players like, you know, Andre Pierre Gignac is the big one, but Jürgen Damm, Aquino, Pizarro, I mean... The amount of quality players, you know, Nahuel Guzman, who's in the Argent- Argentina squad. I mean, there's so many good players throughout the throughout the field that, um, you know, they're a top team. I mean, I think they could compete in La Liga, honestly. Obviously not not right at the top with Real Madrid and Barcelona, but you know, I think they'll be com- they'd be comfortable in La Liga. Yeah, man, and that's a huge credit to what they're doing. Like you said, uh, you know, investing all that money and what Tuca's really doing there, and and. and- you know, we saw them compete and make it to the final Libertadores, so it's really no surprise. Like you said, I tend to agree they're the best team in Mexico right now. But yeah, Tom, let's jump right into what this pod's about, and it's it's your list of the top 10 Mexico under-23 talent. Uh, I reached out to you because I felt like your insight was going to be very much appreciated and your opinion was going to be, you know, pretty factual because you cover this pretty in-depth. So the first name on your list is Eric Gubo Torres, a 22-year-old former Chivas player who's now applying his trade down here for the Houston Dynamo. Dynamo, man, why don't you give us a little insight on him and what 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 you like about him? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the first thing to say is that if if this was a year ago, then Cubo Torres would be a lot higher up. Um, he's not he's not at the best year, but I think I think when, when doing this list in general, I think one of the one of the key factors of what have these players achieved, and especially at first team level, and I think that Torres obviously has proved himself in in MLS with uh, Chivas USA. He's done good things previously at Chivas here in Guadalajara. Um, I think he's a natural natural goal scorer in the box. He's good in the air. He's good with both feet. Um, and I think potentially moving forward, if he can get back into that kind of form that um, that he showed before moving to, to Houston Dynamo, then you know, I think he's potentially a future Mexico national team number nine. I mean, obviously there's a lot of competition right now, but you know, in, in terms of the next wave, I'd, I'd say Kubo is right up there. I mean... There's others like Marco Bueno. Um, he's not had the best season with Leon. He struggled the last couple of years, but you know I'd say Eric Torres is is still up there despite a bit of a, a dodgy a dodgy last year. And and obviously there was that allegation of um, you know um, I don't know how to how to play, but um, you know uh, of um, you know sexual assault I think is that the right way to put it um you know here in Guadalajara I don't know if that's affected him I mean obviously it's, it's important to say it's only an allegation nothing's been proven but you know I think as a young player it, th- those kind of off the field things do affect what you do on the field so I'm not sure he's quite recovered from that yet in terms of um, finding his goal scoring form but yeah I think he's still a, a top talent 
I agree with you, man. And when I saw him here in my backyard in L.A. for Chivas USA, he really was a bright spot for them, and he was leading the line. And, he, you know, now that he's in Houston, he has kind of dwindled down a little. And it might be what you're saying. All this, you know, off-the-field stuff is really affecting Kubo. But for me, it's, it's one of those things where if Kubo can get his act together and can really focus on football, then he can really dominate MLS again and get back to the form it was and hopefully then you know develop into a national team number nine because I think like you said although right now it's pretty competitive I think he can really be useful yeah no definitely I mean he's already you know he's he, I think he scored on, was he on his debut or, or his starting debut he, he scored for Mexico I believe it was in Querétaro um, so yeah he's already done it at that level and I think and, and the other thing for all these names is the Olympics as well I mean, I think it's going to be absolutely massive. And, and even though Torres hasn't been playing that well this year, he's still in the squad. Um, Potro Gutierrez has still been been calling him up. So, yeah, I think Torres has got... Is, there's a challenge, no doubt, this next this next MLS season is huge for him because Dynamo are paying so much money as well to get to to, to, to have brought him to the league. So he, he needs to do it. There's pressure on him. Um, but this is a kid who, since since he's been like 17, he's been labelled the new Chicharito. So, you know, the pressure's been huge on his shoulders and, and he's shown he can deal with it. But, you know, th- this is his latest challenge is, is now next season. I mean, he, he, he has to perform. I think it's a, you know, if he, if he wants to actually play in Europe and, and be making, you know, the, the, the national team regularly, then this next season is, is huge. I couldn't agree with you more, man. And the next name on your list is Jose Avela. You know, he's a player for Santos Laguna, defender. What are your thoughts on the 21-year-old man? Yeah, I mean, he's played a lot of games. A lot of games for Santos Laguna. He was champion earlier this season in the Clausura. Um, you know, he can play. He's a fullback, but he can play on either side. Um, I think he's quick. I think he's tenacious in kind of tackling. Um, and, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a very good prospect, I think. I think that... Um, Potentially, you know, he could play a, a European club moving forward. I think he's, he is that good. Um, he seems to be quite a level-added guy as well, so that's always uh, always something to take note of. So I think, yeah, Abeya has, has, has got something. I think that, um, you know, he's, he's, he's going to... Um, I'm, I'm surprised he's, he's not been involved in the national team, to be honest, because... I think that in the full-back position, the wing-back position, there are a couple, there are there are opportunities. I mean, a, a guy will mention moving forward, Raul Lopez. He's he's already been involved, but I think that Abeya can't be too far away now. Yeah, absolutely, man. He's somebody that has impressed uh, for Santos Laguna. Like you said, he's had a lot of games, especially for a 21-year-old kid. You know, he's got good size on him, especially for the Mexican League. I think he could develop a little bit more into and grow into his body and really be a stout defender for many years to come for La Selección. Oh, yeah, definitely. He does need to. He does need to fill out a bit. He's pretty skinny, but um, but yeah, he's. Uh, I think the fact he can play both sides as well and he's comfortable using both feet. I think that's an important asset to have. Um, and, and I think especially for um, Juan Carlos Osorio. I mean, we've we've seen he, he likes to, you know, tinker a little bit, and we've seen especially the wing positions play kind of the the a right footer on the left and a left footer on the right. Um I know he's not too keen at doing that in kind of the full backs or the wing backs as we've seen with with Miguel Layun, um who who he likes to see on the right. But yeah, I think Abeya I think he's got a good chance. I think he's I think he can play as a full back and I think he can also play as a wing back um if Mexico are gonna are gonna be playing three at the back, which which it looks like they they, they might do in some games. Yeah, and then what would you say for the listeners out there that aren't too familiar for Jose Arela, what would you say are his, his weaknesses and what he really needs to work on in order to get to that next level? Yeah, I think I think you said it, Armando. I think um, 
he's still not uh, powerful enough. You want to see him be a bit stronger and, and not be so easily kind of pushed off the ball. I think that's something that if you get a big, physically strong, fast winger, then they'll be looking to take advantage of him in, in that area. Um, but it's something that comes, he's only, you know, like, he's only 21. I think he's got a couple of years yet to, to really fill out. So um, I think that, I just think it's a matter of time. And, and he's actually, I think he's Lyon's cousin, if I'm, uh, or second cousin, I believe he is. So that's uh, just a, an interesting, uh, interesting fact. Yeah, it goes, you know, shows a lot of similarities in that family right there, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's move on, dude. And the next one is Jordan Silva. We want to talk about him. He's a natural center back who some think can really play anywhere along the back four. He was a key run for Toluca's uh, run right now to the semis and stuff. And he's part of this Olympic qualifying squad. W- what kind of player would you say he is, Tom? I'd say Massa Rodriguez. <laughs> I think uh, you take Massa Rodriguez and and uh, you look at Jordan Silver, and, and I think there are quite a lot of similarities. Um, and obviously, Massa's been been so key for Mexico for for many many years. And I know he's not probably from like the fans' point of view, he's probably not everybody's favourite player. But I think what Massa brought, and and you know maybe Osorio's gonna gonna continue playing him. So you know maybe it's, it's we're still gonna see it, but it, it's a physicality that that. If you look at the Mexican national team pool, not too many players have. I mean, you know, just for me, when you cover the games and you're in the, you know, and you're in the mix zone and the players come past, there's not too many you look at and think, oh, as a striker, I really wouldn't want to go up against that guy. You know what I mean? He looks physically imposing. And Massa Rodriguez is one of those guys. And I think Jordan Silva, you you look at him, um, and I think he's got the same attributes. I mean, he's one one meter ninety. He's, he's, he's very tall. He's decent on the ball for his um, for his height as well. And like you said, I think uh, if you're playing, playing a back three, I think he can play on that right side. Um, and if you're playing a back four, he can play either as a centre-back or a, or a right-back if you're kind of playing a defensive formation. So, again, I think the fact that he's playing for Toluca, he's playing regularly for Toluca, is, is a massive thing. I mean, you know, Toluca don't necessarily, necessarily have a, a tradition of playing young players, you know, for example... As, as a club like Atlas or, or Chivas would have. So, you know, the fact that, that um, Jose Cardoso is, is playing him regular, I think has been huge. I mean, I think he's coming up to 50 games now uh, and he's only 21. I think, especially for a defender, that's that's huge. I mean, the fact that someone like Cardoso is is showing such faith in him is is a, is a real positive. Um, you know, I think, I think there's another one that didn't quite make the list, but... I think is worth pointing out is uh, Cesar Montes, who's at Monterrey, who's been starting regularly this season as well. I think he's a bit younger. Uh, I think he's 18, 19, but another guy who's physically very, very tall. And I think that, you know, it's it's important. It's important that from a national team point of view that Osorio has different different players, different types of players to pick from. And I think Silva and, and then later on in a couple of years, Montes are going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be that type of player that sometimes you need when you're playing teams that are going to throw the ball into the box and, and take advantage if, if you're not the tallest there. Yeah, man, and, and absolutely. Jordan Silva is someone who, like you said, the Massa Rodriguez comparison is a good one. We need sometimes that aggressiveness, that tenacity. And, you know, Massa was a very good leader for us. I know he wasn't, like you said, the most popular player, but when he's out there, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I did enjoy Massa and what he brought to the team. Sometimes you just need that. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah, the fact that he's playing a lot of games at the Luca is important because on a national team level, you want these youngsters to develop in first-team senior side football. And it's good to see that in Liga MX, a lot of these guys are getting more and more opportunity. Definitely, and 
yeah, I think Silva and um, you know another centre back, um, Edgardo Marin at Chivas as well. He's a good one. He's he's been around the national team squad. But I think you know you look at Silva and Salcedo in terms of the centre back partnership at the Olympics next summer. And I think that that's that's a it's got a lot of potential as a as a partnership. Yeah, man, that's an that's an exciting thought for for you know fans of of La Selección. Definitely, yeah, definitely. All right, man. But on the next one, let's move on. Eric Aguirre, 18-year-old, right back from Morelia. He was part of the uh, under-17 runners-up in 2013 for the uh, for the World Cup. And, you know, he's going to be a key to this Olympic squad, I think, even at the tender age of 18. Yeah, he's, um, he's, a, he's a player a lot of people are talking about within the game. Um, and, and that's... And, and you can... That's highlighted by the fact he's playing out of his age group, and he has consistently. You know, he played for the under twenties in the last World Cup, despite being the the youngest player there. And and actually, a, you know, a year or, or maybe two years. I think it was one year, but I think it was one year younger. And now he's already in the under twenty three squad. Um, I'm not sure he's, if he's going to be a definite starter or anything like that. Um, although it wouldn't surprise me, and he was in the qualifying. Um, but yeah, he's, an, he's another player who. He's got a lot of class, a, a lot of class on the ball. Very natural technical ability, very very high. Um, you know, he, he was playing for Morelia um, last season, I believe, in the Clausura. He was doing doing good things, but then over the summer, uh, Enrique Mesa came in and really kind of installed a bit more experience in the squad because the the fighting relegation. So Aguirre is kind of lost out, out there, um, but still, he, I think that. He's, he's got a lot of potential. I'm sure that European scouts are, are already looking at him. Um, he's a player. The interesting thing as well is that he's seen as more of a midfielder for Morelia, kind of central midfielder. But then for the national team, he's been playing more as a right-back. Um, so, yeah, I think he still needs to nail down his position. But in terms of class on the ball, you know, there are a few young players uh, as good as this. And, and I think I did, I did a piece for The Guardian about a year ago and saying... From the generation 1997, who's the best player? And I think Aguirre was was by far. When I spoke to people around the federation and the clubs and stuff, and Aguirre's name just kept coming up again and again. And that's a huge credit to the young man, and you know the how hard he works at his craft and stuff. And that's good to see, and something that's exciting for for La Selección and for El Tri. And hopefully, he can make it to Europe. We're seeing a lot of young players get out there from Mexico to Europe. Uh, Porto's a prime example of that, and uh, hopefully, that trend does continue for us. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that. I mean, for me, I think that with these young players, I think it's better when they establish themselves in Mexico and then go over there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the I think that's the best way. Sometimes I'm a bit dubious when players go um, without already having those kind of fifty to hundred games under the belt in the league MX. But you know, it's difficult in Mexico because the wages are so good. So once a player establishes himself with fifty hundred games and then they sign that first contract. All of a sudden, it's very difficult then for European teams to come in because there aren't that many European leagues and teams that can actually compete with Mexico in terms of wages. Um, so I think I think a lot of teams, as soon as they sign that first contract, that first when I say first contract, I'm not saying professional contract, but the first contract where the player is a is a first team regular. You know, the the, the money that's involved in that is is high, and and I think sometimes. Uh, European clubs are put off. The other, the other thing quickly about um, Aguirre is is from a place called La, La Ruana, Michoacán, which if you type it in on the internet, La Ruana, um, 
it's had a lot of narco violence. I mean, it's one of the places in in Michoacan that's you know the Tierra Caliente. It's it's it's, uh, it's it's had a lot of problems of late. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's just it's interesting that this kid who's from this town that's had such I mean such negative press in Mexico. You know, shootouts in the town square. You know, everything. You just type it in the internet and type on images, and it's like, you know, I think they've had. Um, citizens group to defend to defend the town against the against the narcos and then against the police i mean it just sounds like a real mess but um amidst all that you've got this kid eric aguirre who's been touted as potentially one of mexico's best players moving forward if he can keep his head together and that's what's most important and like i said that's a credit to him and and and, you know his work ethic and, and putting his head down and focusing and like you said you know what you made a very good point about the players developing at home and developing in mexico we've seen players like ulysses davila leave and and not be successful for chelsea and and on his loan spells and now has made a return to santos and it's one of those things where maybe it would have been better if he would have stayed for a little longer yeah i mean i mean there's a there's a lot of issues at stake i mean the other thing is the uh you know the role of the agent, and and you know if the club wants to cash in. But yeah, Ulises Davila was, I don't know, I think it was a mistake signing for Chelsea in particular, because obviously Chelsea have this model where they seem to buy any young player from anywhere in the world who's showing a bit of potential, and then they loan them out, and it just seems like the 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 trying to see which ones come come good. And then if they're going to be good enough for the Chelsea first team, and if not, then they'll sell him on. I mean, we've seen uh, De Bruyne over there, and uh, who else? Shirley, also at Chelsea. We've seen Lukaku, who got signed to Chelsea, loaned out, did well, you know. And then they sold him to Everton for a lot of money. So, you know, it, I don't know. I think Ulysses Davila was was always going to struggle to get in that Chelsea first team, and I think now he's. I think he's got a real struggle to get in the Santos team as well. I mean. You know, he's been playing in the Portuguese league. He's not been a regular starter. So, I mean, I think he's going to struggle in Santos. Uh, hopefully he does well because he's got, obviously he's a, he's a talented player, but, you know, he's 24 years old now. And uh, I think he really, yeah, he, he needs to, needs to really show himself, you know what I mean? Show what he's made of and, and how good he, he can be. Yeah, this is going to be a really big uh, clausura tournament for Ulises Davila, and hopefully he could come good for for Santos. Uh, absolutely. But moving on on the list, man, the next the next player we're going to highlight is Orbelin Pineda. He was a player, 19 years old, the Querétaro youth product, who just made a move to Chivas, and uh, he's an attacking midfielder, great playmaking potential. What are your thoughts about him? I think he's one of the most exciting prospects in Mexico right now. Definitely, yeah. He's got a lot of... Um... He, he he tries things, you know. He's not scared to try things, and and I like that in the player. And, and yeah, like you said, attacking midfield uh, in a four-three-three, he can play one of those more attacking, uh, one of those more attacking roles. I think that he can also play on the wing, which is which is useful, and either wing as well. So um, yeah, he's he's a player that he's he's uh, he's strong as well. So he's he's only nineteen, but he's he's strong on the ball. Um, he tries passes, he tries to to, to create, and I think that. Yeah, Orbelin Pineda is is a name definitely, definitely to to watch out for. I mean, I think that he still has to mature in terms of becoming a professional footballer. I know that in terms of interviews and stuff, Carretero really, really kind of they wouldn't give interviews with him. And um, you know, people have interviewed him since, and he's such a, a very quiet kid from a very, very humble background. And um, you know, obviously, I'm not I'm not saying that's that's bad, um, but there has there has to be a question mark when he steps up now from Carretero to Chivas. It's a different world. 
I mean, it really is a different world. Carretero a really good club, and Carretero's an amazing city to visit. Uh, it really is. But you come to Chivas, and all of a sudden, you know, it's probably 10, 20 times the, the, the focus and the spotlight on, on your every movement. So as a 19-year-old, Pineda now has to really show that he can step out and keep improving. I think that's key as well, because he, he has got... I think he's a big talent, I really do. And he didn't play in the... Uh, under tw- in the... Uh, Olympic qualifying tournament, but I think he's somebody that could really, really make a mark on the Olympics. I mean, he's capable of some really special stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and he's somebody that I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, for Chivas. And like you said, it's it might take a little bit of a transitional period because like it is another word. It's a world that's a step into a different stratosphere with the scrutiny on Chivas and always the attention on Guadalajara in comparison to Querétaro, a smaller club. It's one of those things, you know. Everybody knows Chivas is always a telenovela, almost man. Yeah, no, definitely, and uh, especially with relegation coming up now, and, and, you know, he's a big signing, they paid big money for him, there was no way Carretero were, were ever going to let him go, unless they were, unless Chivas were going to pay a lot of money, so, you know, there's that side of the, the pressure as well, I mean, I think, personally, it would have been better staying at Carretero for, for another couple of years, and really becoming one of the, uh, I mean, I think he's, he, he could, in the next three years, become one of the best players in the league. I mean, absolutely no doubt about it. Um, and, and, you know, there are a lot of good players in Mexico right now, but I think he's got the potential to, you know, by the time he's, he's 21, 22, you know, be one of the best in the league. He's that good. And, uh, you know, hopefully he's got the right people around him. Like, it's the same for all these players, but especially with uh, with Bineda, hopefully he's got the right people around him that can, they can kind of guide him as well, because I think, I feel he, he is going to need that. Um, in in his career and and if he is to move over to Europe then that's another thing that is so crucial that these players pick the right club when they come come in. Yeah, and surrounding yourself with the right people is very key with these young impressionable uh, kids, definitely. But a player that that I want to touch on that didn't quite make the list either that went the other way from Chivas to Querétaro and that's Carlos Fierro. What are your thoughts on Carlos Fierro? I'm really hoping that this reinvigorates his career, reignites it, and he has a great clausura for Querétaro because he's a player I really liked for a long time. But it seems like at his time in uh, Chivas, he seemed to have you know just hit this lull. Yeah, I mean, the talk with Fierro, I mean, you look back at the Under-17 World Cup in 2011 and, and all the talk about Fierro was this kid, if he c- continues on his trajectory, could play Premier League, you know, and, and there's not a lot of Mexican players you can say that about just because of the, the Premier League style as well, but, I mean, Fierro was someone that, you know, this kid has, has got a lot, he's absolutely rapid for a start, you know what I mean, he's, he, he, and, and and that's what he is, he's, he's, he's very quick, um, but I've I've got a bit of a problem with Fierro. He's played over 100 games for Chivas as well, and uh, like like you said, Amando now he's now he's at Carretero. But you know he, he scored only seven goals in in 115 appearances for Chivas, which for me, for an attacking player, isn't good enough. I mean, I know he's only 21 and and he's still got you know time to to prove himself. And I agree. I think the Carretero move could be exactly what he needs. I mean, it really it really could be. Um, but I, I don't think he's got enough end product right now. I mean, I think he gets the ball, he, he looks dangerous all the time, and I don't think he creates enough chances. I don't think he scores enough goal goals. Um, so that's my problem with Fierro. Um, I think that, you know, maybe the atmosphere at Chivas wasn't very conducive either to, to to a young player like him. I think there's pressure on him. I think that, you know, the, the current, I don't know, think, I think it's the president, Higuera, was saying, oh, Fierro's not good enough and all this. I mean, I don't know, it's a bit of a weird atmosphere at Chivas. So, yeah, Fierro, potentially, yeah, he could be, he, he's a future Mexico international, but he's, he's for me, he's kind of on that line right now where you're like, 
this career could go one of two ways. You know what I mean? He, he, he's another another player for the next six months is is huge for him. I mean, he just gets to the byline too often, and then his crosses cross is terrible, or he gets really good chances in the box and and doesn't put them away. Yeah, like 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 we said, it's a reoccurring theme. This next six months being important because these young players, a lot of them are on the verge of you know going either way, and and it, it is important. I I agree with that completely. But sticking to the Chivas theme and going back to this list, our next name is for me the most impressive young Mexican defender, probably most European ready defender for the young Mexicans, uh, and that's Carlos Salcido. Yes, Salcido is um, is is quality. I mean, he just he moved from Real Salt Lake. Uh, where he wasn't getting as as many minutes as he as he would have liked because there was two veteran defenders, came to Chivas last winter and honestly, <laughs> not gonna lie to you, Amanda, I was like, all right, well, you know, he's gonna have to prove himself maybe in the under twenties first and you know maybe get a few games in the cup, but you know, Chepo de la Torre, to be fair to him, put him straight in the team, and he's looked like he was born to to be a Chivas centre back. I mean, he, he's he's not put many steps wrong he's been an exceptional player perhaps Chivas' player of the season last season um, definitely in the clausura and, and he was pretty good in the apertura as well um, yeah definitely I think he's he's going to play in Europe I think there's very little doubt about that there's German clubs interested um, and I think Germany might be might be the is the most likely destination for him right now um, even talk Bayer Leverkusen that, that could be something to for, for listeners to, to look out for there. there there has been a bit of a link Um yeah, I think he's a hard defender. You can tell he's played in MLS. You can tell he's played in more of a physical league. He's really not not afraid to kind of fly into tackles. Not afraid to kind of get get um, get stuck in really. So um, I'm not sure he's the quickest. I think if you if you're looking for a negative, I'd say you'd like him to be a little bit quicker. But you know, he's, he's a real out and out defender. He's someone you can just tell. He, he just loves defending. <laughs> he just like absolutely loves throwing himself into tackles and 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 stopping the opposition scoring and, and I think mentally we talk about the mental side we talked about Obelimpinela and you look at Salcedo and he's absolutely ready I mean he's absolutely he'll go to Germany and he will have no problem kind of adapting to the lifestyle he's from quite a I'd say a middle class family a family who who who've had football a lot of his family have, have played professional football as well so. I just think he's another one of those one of those players, a bit like Chicharito, who he's just not going to have a problem adapting to to life if he does go to Europe. And that's good to hear, man. And and Germany would be great. I mean, we're seeing a lot of Mexicans link up in Europe. Guardado, Moreno. We're seeing what uh, Porto's doing. And I mean, it can only benefit him to have that familiarity if he does end up in Leverkusen. That would be great for him and Chicharito just to feel a little bit more comfortable. Well, yeah, and I think the other thing is. Um... You know the power of, of of Mexican players and Mexico fans, basically. I mean, for these European teams. I mean, not just you know, it's kind of looking at it from the other way. I mean, you look at the minute like Chicharito. I think he's going to be voted the 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 idol of the Bundesliga. <laughs> you look at the players that you know, Bayern Munich have got the the absolute top top World Cup winners, Champions League winners, and and you know, for Chicharito to get voted that player. I mean, obviously he's also a top top player, but. You know, I think it just shows how, how how powerful you know Mexico fans are from a from a marketing point of view, and and you know the Bundes, the people in the Bundesliga, the people running these clubs, they're they're not stupid, and they'll definitely be looking to 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 a market like Mexico and be thinking if there's a good enough player there who's who's available for the right price, let let's bring him over. I mean, it just makes for me, it just makes a lot of sense. 
it, it, it's good, especially since he's already a little more developed, and hopefully that does happen for him and he gets to move abroad and gets a little bit more uh, publicity from a global perspective. Uh, but let's move on. And the next player on the list is somebody that I'm really excited about, one of my favorite young Mexicans, and that's Eric Gutierrez, Pachuca midfielder. He's a really driving force in that team. He's, he's to me, almost a complete midfielder, uh, good leadership qualities. You know, he already has like 60 senior appearances, and he's only 20 year old. What, what do you got to say about Eric Gutierrez, man? Yeah, I mean, Pachuca had done a lot, of, a lot of good work over the last five, six years um, at youth level. And I mean, I'm talking absolutely top quality work. I think the youth system now can compete with the majority in Europe. I mean, obviously, you've always got that elite, but Pachuca's youth system is brilliant. And Eric Gutierrez, more than any other player, is an example of, of, of a player coming through. Um, I say that because he, I think he came to... Pachuca when he was um, 14 or 15 and I think he's worked his way up at every level and um, you know he's already played a Liga MX final I mean this is a kid who's already started a Liga MX final I think that he's absolutely uh, brilliant on the ball I mean I think he's, he's in terms of his technique his reading of the game his, his, his ability to pick passes I mean he's a I think he's the if you were to make a comparison, I think you'd say that he's the natural natural heir to another player who left Pachuca to go to Europe, which is Hector Herrera. I think I think that's the comparison. I'd say Gutierrez probably sits a bit more deeper than um, than Herrera. But yeah, he, he, Gutierrez. I mean, I, I love his style of play. It's just uh, he makes everything look easy, and he makes the game look like it's going really slowly. He gets the ball, and it seems like time slows down, and he he's got that that rare ability to. To, to pick the pass and, and uh, for a 20-year-old player I think that's very, very positive because it's also something that comes with experience so yeah I'm uh, I, agree, I agree Amanda I'm very I'm excited about Gutierrez he's my, my kind of player as well I like his uh, his passing range and another player that I've compared him to before is is Michael Carrick for Manchester United uh, I think you know Gutierrez probably has more going forward but just has that ability to kind of start plays you know and, and get the team moving forward yeah, yeah, he just seems to recycle the ball. Great recycler of play, keeps the ball moving, keeps the team, uh, you know, function, functioning the way it should. And Eric Gutierrez for sure is that player. I think we, we definitely agree on that. And I know there's a lot of competition in the midfield for the senior side, but I could still see him getting in there sooner than later. Yeah, I think he's he's got time. You know, he's only he's only 20. He's only going to be uh, 21, I think, next summer, uh, just ahead of the Olympics. But I think this is another thing to point out. A lot of these players that we've mentioned now, um, the younger, you know what I mean? And I think that Mexico, the Olympics, I'm not so sure they're going to win the gold like they did last time, but I'm not necessarily sure it completely matters in a way. I mean, these plays that I'm going through now, there's there's not many that are 21, 22. There are not many that are at the top of that age range. I mean, we've gone through Aguirre, Pineda, um, Gutierrez, and we're going to go on to some others as well. Who, who, you know, if this Olympics was in 2017, they could also play. So I think I just think it's something to stress that, you know, a lot of these players that we're going to see for Mexico aren't kind of at the age limit yet, and and in a, in a year's time they're going to be they they would be even better if they were competing in the Olympics. Yeah, I tend to agree with that, man. And, and we've seen that Mexico as a whole in youth level has always been very competitive and and very top tier, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's happened over the last you know ten years. I think, you know, I think. Personally, if you look at the the title in 2005 in Peru, when uh, when Mexico won the under 17s, I personally my reading of that is that 
it was a bit lucky in terms of I think they got a very good generation of players that came through. Obviously, Giovanni Dos Santos, Hector Moreno, um, Vela, Efraim Juarez. Um, so, I, but I think from off the back of that victory, I think a lot of teams kind of it was kind of a wake up moment and like wait up. We we can also produce players because you know you had you had Giovanni going to your you had Vela going to your and I think a lot of teams were like we can produce players as well why aren't we doing this and I think I think from from around that time clubs decided right let, let's invest in youth and I think we're only just seeing now even though we had the 2011 you know under 17s victory we had the 2012 Olympics I personally think and from speaking to people in the game it's only about now when we're talking about players like Eric Gutierrez who have been in the national team system for, for years already, that we're going to see the, the true benefits. And I, I say that as well because we, we've, we've got a generation now of Mexican players, and I think we're going to see them at the Olympics, that have travelled all over the world. I mean, there's been a lot of money put into the, the national team uh, youth setup, and and you know the the, the comfortable travelling to China, the comfortably going to Europe, and I think the level of maturity that we're going to see, therefore, from the Mexican player moving forward, is going to be much higher than uh, than we've seen perhaps in the past. Yeah, and that's absolutely invaluable, man, because you get that experience, you get that comfort, and, and they feel as though they're at you know senior professional level, travelling the world and doing this. So it's just a comfort doing press. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss conferences all of this is only going to benefit them long term absolutely uh, but let, let's move on sticking with Pachuca and like we said this is another player uh, Irving Chucky Lozano he's he's only 20 he, he he's one of the most exciting prospects as well and he's going to be in Europe sooner than later his great technical ability he's got pace can play on either wing he's already got over 65 appearances for Pachuca he's just to be fair you know one of the most exciting attacking players probably in the world for his age yeah, right, I think, right. I think, yeah, I think you can, yeah, I think, you know, definitely in in the league of MX, just regardless of age, I think he's one of the most exciting players. I mean, he, he gets the ball and he's the type of player where, 
<laughs> you get on the edge of your seat. I mean, you really do. You think, what's he going to do? He can go. He's running towards a defender. He can go either way. He's very good with with both his feet. He's absolutely rapid. Uh, the big question mark with Lozano, going back a little bit, was his physique. I know that speaking to people in Pachuca, they were they were worried about he was just too small and too skinny. He wasn't going to develop. But I think he's he's really developed that side of his game. I mean, obviously, he's never going to be the tallest guy in the world. But in terms of he's got a low centre of gravity and he's not easily pushed off the ball. I mean, I think that's a, a key thing for him. Um, yeah, and I think that whenever he plays at his his level, so we saw in the you know the under twenty World Cup or the um, the qualifiers for the for the Olympics. I mean, I think he was he was voted the best player if I'm not mistaken, um, and and he excels. I mean, he really really does excel when he's playing amongst people of his age group. So yeah, I think you know it's another one very exciting. I think that if you're gonna criticism, I'd say the same same thing I said about Fierro. I want him to score more goals. <laughs> you know he gets in he gets in positions on the wing and I'd like to see him cut in more and 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 drive at the defenders and 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 finish I think finishing I think he needs to improve his finishing um but if he can do that he's going to be some player and I think he could he's one of those I think that could easily go to somewhere like Porto I think they'd be an exciting player to go there I'd I'd, I'd like to see him stay a year or two more in the in the Mexican league with Pachuca I think that you know, Pachuca have already kind of basically saying it's not for sale. I mean, I think they're going to wait because I think that they know as well that if he keeps developing like he has over the last couple of years for the next two years, you know, they're going to have a 22-year-old Chucky Lozano who's uh, who's going to who's going to be commanding a huge transfer fee. I mean, I really think he could be potentially one of the most expensive players to go from Mexico to, to Europe and maybe surpass even, you know, Hector Herrera. Yeah, it's hard to argue that, man. And for the listeners that are too familiar with uh, with Chucky, who who would you compare him to on a European, you know, level? Robin? Wow. Wow. Is that fair? I think it is, yeah. I mean I mean in terms of he's a player who gets the ball on the wing and he he, he drives at defenders. I mean you know, you don't, you can't give him space because if you give him a bit of space, he'll be, he'll be past you. Um, he's that kind of traditional winger. Uh, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that end product improve a little bit more in terms of his, his finishing and um, in his, you know, maybe a few more assists as well. But already, he's, he's getting special attention from markers in the Mexican league. I mean, it's not easy for him because everybody knows that if you want to stop Pachuca right now with the team that they've got. You have to stop Lozano, so I think that he he has struggled. Not I don't think struggle is the right word, but he has had to deal with that. Um, but yeah, I think he's a he's a player who you know he's balanced on the ball as well. I think that's something else to to kind of highlight. But he's you know he's yeah he's one of those players who you pay to see. I mean, you go to watch games and you're like, you know, this is this is what you want to see. He's is 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 a great talent. Yeah, he definitely gets you off your seat, and I tune in the, the majority of Pachuca games here just because I know Chucky, the potential he has to do something special. Uh, and, and for him, I think, like you said, the comparison to Robin's a good one. Uh, he, I think his decision-making, though, at the age of 20, two, three years, if his decision-making does improve, like you said, Pachuca are going to get a fortune for him. Yeah, he's a big player, and, and I think Pachuca, I think it's a, you know, it's a club that have, have like I said before, I've invested big money in the youth system. Obviously, they're partly owned by uh, by Carlos Slim, so 
they're not they're not short of money. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know Lozano, Gutierrez, uh, Rodolfo Pizarro, who's another who who could easily be on this list. Um, you know, perhaps should be to be honest, but you know he's he's. Um, who else have they've got? They've got um, who else? I can't think right now. They've got a couple of other really young players uh, as well. I think Martinez, Guillermo Martinez, is a striker to look out for. But they produce, you know, Pablo Pablito Lopez, who played at the Under Seventeen World Cup, he was Mexico's best player. I mean, they're, they're producing generation after generation of players, and I think by far now that they are the example, along with Chivas, of how to run a youth team in, in a youth system in Mexico. I mean, the, the amount of players producing, they're producing is, is exciting. It's like you said, Armando, it's like, it's a team who, when Pachuca play, I tune in, you know, I mean, I watch a lot of games because sometimes you have to, but Pachuca team, you actually want to see. They're exciting, you know, and it's because of players like Lozano and, and, uh, and Gutierrez, I mean, they really are exciting players to watch. And, you know, it's, I don't know, for me covering the game, I think what young players are one of the things that, that I most enjoy because they are, they have that rawness, they have that unknown about them. And, and, and it's interesting to see just, just where the talent ceiling is. And I think for, for someone like Lozano, I mean, it really could be, it could be very high. I absolutely agree with that, man. And hopefully it is. Hopefully it keeps on the same trajectory is for La Selección and for him personally, because it, it can only benefit Mexican football if, if we get world-class players. So hopefully Chucky's trajectory continues and it just brings more attention to Mexican football. Uh, but moving on, our next player on the list, Raul Lopez, 22, another Guadalajara player. He can play anywhere up the right flank. Uh, he's already got a cap. He got he got called up last month to replace Paul Aguilar. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Raul Lopez? Raul Lopez, um, I've, you know, like we said, I'm here in, uh, in Guadalajara and obviously watching him this last year. He's been brilliant. I mean, he's been somebody, a player who, even when he was in the youth system at Chivas, he was someone who, you know, would be talked about. People say, uh, keep an eye on Raul Lopez, deditos. So, so you know, he, he breaks through and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, let's see what he's got. The thing that fascinates me about, about Raul Lopez is, um, you know, he started as a winger. So his youth career, he played as a winger. So, so he's actually adapting now to a right-back position at Chivas. Um, but for me, Lopez, when you talk about a player who, who could go to Europe, I mean, potentially out of all the players we've mentioned up till now, potentially for me, Raul Lopez is the one who who, who fits the bill in terms of he's, he's big. He's a, he's, a, he's a strong lad. He's quite tall. Um, he's fast. You know, all, all these elements are kind of mod. If you look at a modern footballer, I think a lot of them uh, is what is what teams are looking for. And I think that Lopez has that. He's got the ability to drive down the wing, uh, to take players on, and also that to get back. He's got that stamina as well to get to get up and down the wing, and and that's essential for a fullback. Uh, I think that weakness-wise, he's made a couple of mistakes this season, no doubt about it. He's tried to dribble out of the penalty area and stuff like that, uh, which was you know ill-advised. But I think with Mateus Almeida. There, the Argentine uh, former Argentine international at Chivas. I think he's going to be great for kind of continuing Lopez's progress. And I think that I think that's the key with Raúl Lopez. I think that he, he could be a, an absolutely great player. I mean, he's got all the essential ingredients to to be a top top right back, you know, or a wing back. Um, and especially, I mean, it seemed like every goal this season, 
season for Chivas came from Raul Lopez crossing it in from the right and Omar Bravo heading in. <laughs> Maybe it was just me, but they all kind of all kind of kind of meshed together, and that was it was just the same goal every week that I was seeing. But yeah, he's he's uh, I think that's for me. I think he's got still got work to do on his on the defensive side of his game, but I think it's so obvious that. That's what he has to work on, and he knows that. I think everybody at Chivas know that. The fans know that, you know. And I think if he can do that, um, and he wouldn't be the first, obviously, winger to convert to a right-back, but I think he's got all the elements of being an an absolutely top right-back. I mean, that's why I put him so high up in my list, because, you know, I'm sure other people would have have preferred others up there, but... um, But, you know, I think think that Raul Lopez, in terms of potential, I just think he fits the bill, uh, and, and he could play for a top club one day. Well, Chivas fans won't be open, but you know, a top European club and and you know, even Champions League and stuff like that. Yeah, I could see that, man. And and he's a player that really benefited last year from his loan spells away from Chivas to come back and then cement himself in that side has really been an impressive feat, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. I think if yeah, I think that's been a massive thing for all the Chivas players as well who have who have gone to uh, to peak in the either kind of I don't know kind of feeder club more or less. It's a bit of a weird one. Um, I don't think they're officially linked to Chivas, but Chivas basically send the young prospects there every year. So, um, yeah, I think that's been massive for him. I think you're exactly right. Uh, but I'm just thinking, if I'm a European scout watching the Mexican League and especially focusing on the, the young Mexican players, you're not just looking at what they do now. You're looking at what they can become. And I think that was the genius behind Chicharito's move. You know what I mean? Because, honestly, I think a lot of people in Mexico were very surprised by, you know, Chicharito going to such a top club. But it's like that scout, uh, Jim Lawler and Marco Garces here in Mexico, you know, they, they looked at Chicharito and they thought, what could he do in that the context of, of being Manchester United player, of being a striker? And then they looked at his movement and they looked at, you know, his, his movement was different than other Mexican players. You know, his, his ability to get in front of defenders and... You know, they saw all that and it kind of all makes sense and it made the deal happen. And I think with Raul Lopez, I think there'll be European clubs as well where it's what he could become. And I think Raul Lopez, perhaps more than any of the ones I mentioned today, could become something something really special. I mean, he's already he's just such a danger with, you know, swinging balls into the box. He's good on the ball. He can dribble past players. He's, you know, he's got all the essential ingredients for me. To be a to be a top top player and and off the field as well. I mean, from what you hear and being in Guadalajara, he's a you know he's a he's got his feet very much on the ground and you know he loves what he's doing. Yeah, that's something that you definitely love to hear. So player loves what he's doing and and, and he's level headed, grounded, and, and and that's only going to benefit him in the long run. But now the top player on our list, I know we're going to rave about him. He's just been phenomenal. Probably one of the brightest, if not the most brightest Mexican player in a long time. Possesses all the skill in the world. He's pacey. Has an eye for goal. Tecatito Corona. Inform the people about Tecatito Corona, man. I think he's the next Mexican superstar. I mean, you know, Mexico traditionally haven't had you know a lot a lot of players who are you know doing amazing amazing things in Europe like and I'm talking winning Champions League I'm talking you know goal scoring records for the league you know you've had basically Hugo Sanchez you've had Chicharito and Rafa Marquez I think those are the three that obviously stand out for me a lot a lot more than the other Mexicans that have gone Europe and and you know a lot of them had very good careers in Europe I'm not saying you know Pavel Pardo and Marcel Rodriguez Guardado they're all had very very good careers in Europe but you know Tecatito 22 years old already doing great things at Porto you know already doing things at the Champions League I mean 
I don't know. I don't know what you, what you can say about about Tecatito. He's just a player who, even when he was at Monterrey, he just he, he was outstanding. You know, for the for Mexico's under twenties, he was outstanding. Um, you know, I remember him playing in the Club World Cup, Monterrey against Chelsea, and he was just came on running rings around the Chelsea defenders, and it's like, you know, he, he's got that 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 same kind of gumption, that same kind of he doesn't care who he's up against. You know, he really doesn't, and he, and he tries things. I think he's a like I said, I think he, he can be the next Mexican superstar. We seen we saw him in Honduras last last month. I mean, he comes off the bench. Um, you know, gets the ball and you know he's like a Ibrahimovic that goal he scored against Honduras. But yeah, I mean six goals so far in in seven appearances in the Portuguese first division. I mean he's a he's a player who who I think from Porto he could go anywhere. Honestly, I mean if if he develops like he should and he you know same thing same for all the players if he keeps his head down and and keeps developing. I mean I think that Decatito can go go anywhere and I'm talking Munich, Barcelona. Manchester United, you know Chelsea, you know one of the one of those kind of uh, clubs. Yeah, man, it's hard to argue that, and that's an exciting prospect. Tecatito is, you know, ever since, like you said, at Monterrey, what he did in the Club World Cup, he's played for Mexico this summer. He played Copa America and Gold Cup. Not many players do that, so it just shows his his talent and how important he really is, and how important he will be, you know, going forward for La Selección Nacional. Yeah, I think he's he's pretty much an automatic starter for me now. I mean, I think it depends on the formation that Osorio is going to play. Um, I think the other thing with with the interesting thing with Tecatito is that when he first went to Twenty in Holland from Monterrey, when he left when he left Monterrey, it was like I don't think the club were very happy with the way he left, and I think it was the end of his contract, and they didn't receive much money. But he went to Twenty, and his first season was okay. I mean, it wasn't amazing, and then he came back after that first season, and. Uh, I remember the coach, it was a big thing here in Mexico, and the coach were like, he called him, basically called him fat, and said he's, he's you know, he, he'd been eating too many tacos in the in the off-season, and, you know, he, he sent him to go and train with the with the reserves and the youth, and he said, you, you can't, that's not professional, you can't come back to pre-season training in that kind of state, you know what I mean? And I think that a really key moment in uh, Tecadito's career today was how he took that 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 public criticism because it's not it, it can't be nice for him to hear the coach saying you had too many tacos <laughs> back in Mexico during the off season you know it really can't be nice so i think that but he's took that criticism he's taken that criticism and he's and he's he's kind of been like right i'm going to prove you i'm going to prove to you i'm going to prove to you that i can be you know your key player and i think that last season for 20 was he was, you know, perhaps the key player, and you know, nine nine goals in twenty seven games from the wing is a, a pretty good ratio. So, you know, and obviously from there he's he's earned the move to Porto, and it really has started absolutely on fire. So, you know, it's it's uh yeah, it's exciting exciting times for Tecatito, and I think for for Mexican football in general, I think that he's he's a he's a player who is exciting. I mean, he's another one of those where you you, you pay to watch. He can do absolutely anything on the ball. He's skillful, and, and I'm sure all the big clubs will be keeping a very firm eye on on Tecatito, and and you know, let's see how he develops. But I think that uh, over the next couple of years, he, he could really be anything. At the Olympics, he could be one of the one of the stars of the of the men's football tournament. 
Yeah, that's some really high praise, uh, Tom. Especially you. You've you've seen a lot of Tecatito for a long time, and that's that's some really high praise. And like you said, it's good that he took a positive out of that situation in Twente and really, you know, spurred him on. And, and he put his head down and really got to work. But we're running out of time here on the World Football Index Pod. And and what we like to do, Tom, for the last segment is is we like for our guests to nominate a player to our top one hundred list. It's a player that it doesn't have to be a world beater as long as he's someone you admire, someone that you are impressed with and want to highlight for the listeners so if you can for us tom what is your uh your candidate your nomination for the top 100 can i can i say andres guardado you can say andres yeah. guardado and that's a very good shout go ahead tell the people why yeah i think this this season has been by far uh mexico's best player i mean i think he won it was seemed like he won the gold cup on his own at times i mean it really did he was he was brilliant and i think he's you know he's become the team's captain um, Rafa Mark, following from Rafa Mark. Rafa Mark is still around, kind of, but you know Guardado's the obvious captain. I think he's come out and spoke to the press very well. He's he's won the title with PSV. I think he's had a child as well. I think it's just been in Mexican football. I think it's been the year of Andres Guardado, and I think the way that PSV fans absolutely love him, the 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 way he's such a key player in that side, um, you know, is is been has been amazing. I think he's been the his best year as a professional, and I think that uh, he deserves a lot of praise because he's been somebody that 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 isn't afraid to criticise the way things are running Mexico as well in terms of uh, you know player contracts and stuff like that. So so it's it's exciting for me to see somebody like that go to Europe and and not be afraid to to give you know really candid interviews about how the game could improve in Mexico and that you know how desperate he's been to stay in Europe and kind of make a a bit of a legacy for himself over there. I mean, I think he'll come back to Atlas in the next few years. But um, but yeah, it's been just very impressive how, how how quickly he's adapted to PSV. And then moving on from that with the national team, he's just been Mexico's best player. Um, and, and in terms of results, it's not been too bad for Mexico this year. I mean, won the Gold Cup, won the CONCACAF Cup and started World, World Cup qualifying really well. Uh, you know, three managers have come and gone, well, yeah, they've had three managers in that time. But the one consistency, one consistent um, positive has been for me, Andres Guardado. I think he's been he's been brilliant for all three of those managers, and I think that uh, you know he's, he's such a key player now for Mexico. Yeah, and it's hard to argue that. I can't disagree with any of that. I love Andres Guardado, his passion, the way he really leads the team for La Selección. And, and it's good to see him find a home in PSV. Like you said, he'll probably be back in Atlas sooner than later. But it's good to see him find a home and really take to football and take to the fans. And, and for them to have that relationship is nice to see. But to wrap up, Tom, where can the people find you on Twitter? Where can they find your work? Do you have any plugs? What are you working on? Please let us know. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Mexico World Cup. That's my Twitter. Um, yeah, you can find me on ESPN FC. Um, yeah, on the on the in the Mexican football uh, section. But yeah, at the minute working on, uh, you know, obviously the the, the big um, the the second leg of the final on Sunday, and then I'm going to do you know a league MX best eleven for the season. I don't know. At the minute, it's kind of wrapping up the year that's been, and then you know it'll be looking forward to 2016, which I think uh, you know should be a really exciting one. Uh, in Mexican football, especially, a couple of reasons. I think maybe we're going to see some some other big transfers. You know, we've seen Andre Pierre Gignac move from uh, Marseille to, to Tigres, and secondly, the national team. I think the Copa America next summer. It's been in doubt, but it is going to happen now, and I absolutely can't wait for it. I think the Concacaf Comunibol 
um, alliance there. That the fact that all the teams are going to be, I think it's going to be an absolute great competition that's going to compete well for, with the uh, with the European Championships over there in uh, in the old continent. So yeah, lots to look forward to, and uh, yeah, that's uh, basically what I'm working on at the minute. That's awesome, man. Well, listeners, please give him a follow. Check out what he's doing. If you're interested in anything Mexican football, Tom definitely has all that information for you. Uh, and like like you, know, like you said, Tom, Copa America should be an exciting time, and I'm sure we'll be covering that as well. But uh, he, Tom, thanks again for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Hopefully we can get you on again when you have some time and we can recap a little more Liga MX and, and maybe some transfers if they do happen. No problem, Mando. Yeah, always uh, always good to chat Mexican football. And, uh, you know, like I said, especially with the younger players, it's always, uh, you know, good to, to see people are, are taking notice. And I definitely think that in terms of scouting and, and European clubs, I think they're definitely now heavily, heavily looking at Mexico for uh, for potential talent. So, uh, yeah, it's good to get out there and, yeah, good, good conversation. Cheers, pal. And a huge thanks to you. Uh, to the listeners and to WFI for giving us this platform to spread the word on the global game and and in this case Mexican football. Uh, there's plenty more in store for you on the WFI podcast. A ton of content coming your way. Make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, the AIP channel app, and SoundCloud. Uh, muchas gracias, everyone, and until next time, hasta luego. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.